Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, Jake. Yes, sir. Did you know it is our anniversary month? How long have we been married? (laughs) No, the show. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I did know The that, show's actually. anniversary. We are turning six years old, and to celebrate that- We're going to first grade. We're <laughs> close. We're giving a discount on our Patreon. If you join the year-long subscription to the Patreon, you can get 15% off during the month of May. You can find out everything about our Patreon at patreon.com slash thecritshow, but all tiers for the month of May are 15% off when you sign up for the annual membership. Is that as exciting as first grade? You know, now that I'm kind of remembering back to first grade, that's far better than first grade. So the other night, I just randomly started to stream this game called Raft. Oh, yeah. Where, like, you just wake up on a raft, and then you have to survive. Isn't that a Stephen King story? <laughs> <laughs> Was, wasn't TJ playing this for a while? Didn't TJ keep coming to recordings and telling us about Raft at some point? I don't listen to him. Be- well, because I, like, I feel like I remember all of us, like, you know, TJ's so afraid of, like, the depths. Uh-huh. And I feel like all of us were like, what are, what are you doing? Why are you playing this? I can't remember if it was that or if he was playing, like, Subnautica. Like, I feel like he was playing the underwater version of this game. Okay. Yeah, I think Raft's a little newer. I remember watching some streams of some people in our Discord playing it. It looked really cool, except I think there's, like, sharks that attack you, and you got to fight the sharks. I don't want to do that. Yeah, constantly sharks attack you. But it got me thinking, if you had to pick, like, the naked and afraid, lost on an island, post-apocalyptic world, like, which one would you best survive in? Like being trapped in a desert, being trapped in the future apocalypse. Like, what's the kind of survival-esque game world that you think that you could do the best at? And, like, what's its its vibe? Is it, like, a desert? Is it a forest? Is it on a raft in the water? That's a good question. Is, is there one of those that's in, like, like, an abandoned city where all the power still works? <laughs> so you mean like barely an apocalypse yeah yeah like i want that one the, you so you mean like the rapture <laughs> yeah this is like a thanos can you just get rid of most people and then <laughs> i can just keep going one person per city i like that yeah that's the one <laughs> and like everything's still paid for and works. <laughs> yeah i don't know how netflix is still coming in but i'm pretty okay but with somehow it somehow new content is still being created <laughs> Well, the one guy who got Los Angeles is still producing excellent material. Yes. (laughs) Such a range. (laughs) Man, I don't feel like I'd be very good in most like wilderness things because I don't know at all how to handle animals either for food or to protect myself. (laughs) Like I don't know. I don't know how to hunt. I don't know how to like clean a fish. I don't want to do any of that either. Like it would make me very upset. So I think like zombies. I still think zombies would probably be my 
best one. Yeah, I honestly kind of feel like I would probably do the best in like a Fallout type world because I know enough about new technology and a lot about older technology that I think I could make some shit work or find books to make other shit work. I think it's going to be a desert for me because I'm I'm allergic to trees. So like a forest (laughs) is just like not going to (laughs) happen for me. But also, I grew up in Arizona, and... She was born in it. (laughs) Molded by it. It's true. But when I was in elementary school, we had to read this book called Danger in the Desert. I swear I read this book like three or four times over the course of my like first through fifth grade life, which is all about two children who get as the title suggests, trapped in the desert and then are forced to like survive. And I feel like we were forced to read this in order to have like some semblance of survival skill in the event that we also become trapped in the desert. That's like the Arizona State book, right? Yeah, pretty much. It's like it's like the desert version of Hatchet, essentially. That, that's what I was going to say. Like in the Midwest, do we read the Hatchet and nobody else does? And then y'all read that out there. They give it to every new baby that's born. It's a book of ABCs and desert danger. I don't remember what you said the book was called. (laughs) Danger in the Desert. Yeah. But the thing that I remember is that these kids were like abducted, essentially. Like they're in a gas station and the mom gets out to go get gas. And the two kids are in like the back of this SUV. And then someone gets into the car and just drives off with them. And this triggered me so much when I was a kid that then every time we were in a gas station as a child, I was terrified that someone was going to just hop into the car when my parents left and drove oh, drive no. away with me. That's awful. <laughs> uh, I don't think I would do great in a lot of like survive on your own situations. I'm a social butterfly. <laughs> I would, I would do okay. I think in a more wilderness situation, just because it's like I've done a lot of like camping up in the mountains and I do know how to like clean fish and you know animals and stuff I likewise would never want to do any of that so it'd be incredibly difficult for me but um I feel like my best chance at survival is going to be like to find other survivors and be like hey I know how to knit like (laughs) I can sew and stuff I can I can build things so you guys defend me and help keep me alive because I'm not good at that and I'll make you some dope hats how accurate is Hatchet? Because I've read Hatchet and its sequels a lot. I don't know that I've retained a lot of like the wisdom therein, and I don't know if it's realistic at all. But I, it, it might just come out of me. Like it might be like <laughs> buried deep down in there that if I was caught in the wilderness, suddenly I'd be like, uh, uh, "Oh, I know, Brian did this," and then be able to just, like <laughs> muster my survival skills. You just activate like some sort of sleeper agent, <laughs> yeah, just like a like a like a hatchet Manchurian candidate. <laughs> I'm sure that after like so many days of not eating. That just your survival instinct of, well, I guess I'm going to figure out how to scale a fish. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that if you're stuck in the Canadian wilderness in the winter and you hear what sounds like a gunshot, it might be the sap in a tree freezing and blowing open part of the tree. That's what I remember very vividly from one of those books. (laughs) And that howl. Might be the howl of the Windigo. Yeah, that's. They got really supernatural around the third book in the series. They were really trying to keep it fresh and new. Uh, so I think I'm going to try to stream a little more of that game. Uh, that is over at Twitch.tv. <laughs> I forgot that's where we came from. Oh man, it's been such a long journey. 
Hatchet, the video game. Hatchet. <laughs> uh, that's over at twitch.tv slash the crit show. Um, and actually, this week, uh, just a couple days ago, we started our newest game, Afterlife Wandering Souls. Uh, if you missed the first episode of that, you can head over to our YouTube channel tomorrow. Um, we will have the first episode of that posted, uh, and then episode two will come out next week. Afterlife Wandering Souls, we have a bunch of guests. We have Hallie from Quest Friends. Uh, we have Lara from Fate of Cthulhu. We have Tim from Greetings Adventures. We also have Landon from our Mask game, uh, as well as Shadows of St. Fleur. And then wrangling them from our side is Kim. You might know me from such shows as, <laughs> as this one. The Crit Show, the one you're <laughs> listening to right now. Uh, so that is on Mondays at 8 p.m. over at twitch.tv slash the crit show. I'm very excited to see how this game plays out. And I'm getting very excited for Star Wars and Ghostbusters. Uh, but I think with that, it's time to let the recap roll. Did I hear something about them like getting a hostage? Somebody in the casino? Yeah. He told me that the hostage that the monarchs took was Lana King. Oh, shit. Yeah. Anyway, Jake, I had another vision about you. Stop it. I wish I could. Great. Yeah. What doom do I have awaiting me now? It's still related to Zwi, so I guess it's the same doom. It's just a variation. He's going to find out about Danny. Well, if uh, it is exchange of services for information, I would gladly make that trade for you. There is uh, something that I actually am very interested in getting my hands on. It is zoo right now. They have a nightmare on display. It's beautiful. And I would like to get some of the hairs from its tail. I think we could do that for you. Excellent, excellent. And he goes around and he pats each of you on the back. As he does, he stops at you, Jake. There's something funny about you. Thank you. I'd, I like to think that I'm a funny guy. No, not funny, haha. Funny, no, no. He grabs a hold of you with both hands and starts sniffing you. <laughs> hmm. And his eyes get big. You have the scent of the lost ones on you. <sighs> Tell Borbach, which of my clan have you been spending time with? I try to like back away a little bit if possible. Hey, no, it's look, I've, it's, this feels kind of personal. I just don't like, I need my, sp I have a bubble. I need a space. Could you please just b back off a little bit? He continues to advance on you. No, no, it's very strong. It's very specific. It's something I haven't smelled in a while. Shit, can I channel? Sure. Oh, no. Uh, 13. All so right. I hold three, uh, and I'm going to spend one of them to teleport. Where to? Back to the car, in the driver's seat of the car. So you vanish and appear inside the car, and you see Borbok's head whip around like he's trying to look for you, and he sees you, and he rears up on his hind legs and starts charging towards the car. Oh, a game! <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Yes, what? Borbok! He's playing hide-and-seek. I will seek out what I want to know from him. <laughs> you think that show will protect you? And he slams his front two hooves down on the ground, and you can see that it cracks the cement. Borbok! What? Brzak is a friend of mine. We're playing friendly game! Okay, but also, we're gonna need that car, and I'm gonna need Brzak in order to get the hairs from that nightmare for you. I don't want to hurt him, I just want to smell him. That does seem a little a little personal. You probably shouldn't smell people unless they tell you that you can smell them. But also, um, can you tell me more about this nightmare? Because I'm really, really excited to go get these hairs for you. Um, but I don't know. I've never seen a, a nightmare before. So can you give me some more information so that we can get this for you? Megan, I think 
Persuade an NPC. When you persuade an NPC with seduction, promises, or threats, I think this is weirdly kind of seduction because you're trying to get him interested in the topic that he is passionate about. We'll say it's a a mental seduction, if you will. Yeah, that sounds about right. On a hit, they see your point and do as you ask. On a seven to nine, they counter your offer or demand payment, a debt, a favor, resources before agreeing to follow through. If you cash a debt in uh, with an NPC before you roll, you get to add three to your total. Six. Uh, Can I try to help her out? Sure. How so? I'm referencing one of the last times that we were together and Borbach sniffed someone without getting permission and kind of got in trouble. All right. So roll lend a hand and you will roll with Megan's circle. Uh, When you lend a hand or get in the way after a PC has rolled, roll with their circle on a hit. Give them a plus one or a minus two to their roll. On a seven to nine, you expose yourself to danger, entanglement or cost. That's a 10. All right. So, Megan, that bumps you up to a seven. Uh, and so on a seven to nine, they counter your offer or demand payment. So Borbach here is what you're both saying about, no, we need to get this job done right now. And, you know, you shouldn't do this without permission. Yeah. All right. Very good. Very good. I agree for now. But when you come back, oh, I get to smell him. I am not going to let this game go. I don't have the authority to tell you that you can smell somebody else, but it, I'll I'll talk to him and see if he'll be better about it. Well, no, no. Mm-hmm. You you ask him now. Okay, I'll go ask him now. Okay. And I walk over to the car. And I knock on the window. I roll it down halfway. Jesus, Jake, take a bath. What? I beg your pardon. He can smell all over you. Okay, I'll wander my clothes. I didn't. I didn't know this was a thing I had to worry about. You have to promise to let him smell you when we get back from doing this nightmare thing for him to be, like, cool with letting you go right now. So do you think you can get rid of this smell by then? I don't know how strong this magical thing works. Yeah, I'll just get real close to everything at the zoo. I hope it overpowers, but, like, you have to agree right now to let him do it when we get back. I hold my hand out and give a thumbs up. Okay, good. Smell you later. (laughs) Oh, that was good. That was a good one. Do you think this whole thing was him setting up to make that joke? I hope so, because that was actually pretty good. Damn, I give him another thumbs up. Borbach, we can hang out, man. Nice. All right, bud. It looks like we've got to head to the zoo. Um, Can we just meet you back here? Is that okay? Yes, that's great. Okay. Oh, and that you had asked me about the nightmare uh, to to tell you more about it. It, It's all black fur and fiery hooves. But the thing that I have discovered (laughs) is that you can calm it down. What would you think a nightmare would like? Sugar cubes. You would think that because horse, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What else might it like? Nightmares. <laughs> nightmares. Ooh, because if it's name, like you think it eats the nightmares. Ooh, that's good. Does it maybe eat like good dreams? Good thoughts. If you feed it a good thought, if you think a good thought at it, it kind of, uh, it almost calms it down if you can focus and just think good thoughts at it. Oh, that should be super easy then. We're going to a zoo. I'm going to be chock full of nothing but good thoughts. You know what thought I'm going to feed it? Hmm. How cool you are, bub. Oh, nice. Maybe that will make us bonded or something. Yeah, there we go. So, some hairs from the tail or the mane. I just need some of those fiery hairs. You got it, pal. Excellent. And uh, when you get back, if you've got what the Borbach is looking for, I have got the information that you need. Best day ever. Dude, it was so nice to see you. Oh, you too. You too. Uh, bring me back something from the zoo, like to, uh, to munch on. I'm almost out of the things I brought, and I don't get the dinner break for a while. You got it, bud. Thank you. What's your favorite flavor? Oh, I like the spicier, the better. My man. 
okay, sounds good. We'll look for something like that. And if we can't find anything, then I make them really good, like spicy rosemary chocolate chip cookies that are real, real tasty. And they got a little bit of sea salt on them. It pairs really well with the chocolate. And then the cayenne pepper kind of draws out the sweetness. Uh, I'll make some of those. Oh, and he stomps his hoof. Cool. Let's go to the zoo. So you all hop into Jake's car and head in the direction that Borbach gave you. And you drive about a mile and a half before you see a sign for the Olympus Zoo. I am very intrigued to see what all we're going to find in here. If they have stuff like nightmares. Oh, yeah, I haven't been here in the longest time. You know that thing where it's like you live in a cool city, but then you never go to any of the touristy stuff unless you're taking out of town people there? I do. I do. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, I assume this isn't something that we can just walk up to a worker and say, hey, can we go in and pet the nightmares, is it? Yeah, I don't know what kind of restrictions this place is going to have as far as like, like you know, you go to the zoo normally and there's some space so you can't just jump in and hang out with the sea lions. I imagine that there's going to be some sort of precautions to keep people from getting close to whatever is here. I'm, I'm like super excited to find out what's actually in here too, but I imagine a distraction is going to be necessary. I felt foolish asking, but it seems like maybe you guys know. What is a nightmare? It sounds like maybe a spooky horse of some kind. Yeah, pretty much a spooky horse. Oh, okay. Well, I'm great with horses. I'm kidding. I've encountered horses maybe twice in my life, so. I'm honestly kind of afraid of horses. They're so tall. <laughs> they are. How do you feel about giraffes? See, giraffes, I don't mind because they're almost comically tall, but like horses you have to like get kind of up close to like in order to ride I I don't know I've just always had like a weird fear of like a horse kicking me for some reason sure okay I mean that's fair yeah but that's unrelated to their height very powerful haunches that's yes they're very tall powerful animals and I am a very small semi-powerful animal (laughs) (laughs) I'd ride a giraffe oh yeah I can't imagine an animal in the zoo that I wouldn't ride given the opportunity Well, I used to own horses. It's been a long, long, long time. I was a small child, but that might help. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely around horses growing up, too, but I feel like this is going to be a different... I'm I'm imagining, like, like a Clydesdale. Like, I'm imagining this thing is, like, big and powerful, but I guess I have no idea. I think just the name is really cool, so I'm imagining it looks really cool. God, I hope they're, like, tiny little mini ponies. Oh, my gosh, yes. Like a Shetland nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) i have those a lot (laughs) uh yeah i'll I'll pull us in into the lot and find us a a convenient spot here so it eats good thoughts but we need like tail or mane hairs right yeah i mean that sounds right in theory they're like what like fire though right like fiery hair or something i imagine we probably shouldn't go for the tail hairs because again powerful haunches but yeah i don't know i feel like We just got to get in there and see what we're actually working with. Yeah, let's do this. Okay. All right, so you park the car at the Olympus Zoo. There are probably four or five dozen cars here. It's not overly crowded because it is kind of early in the day, uh, but there are a fair number of patrons here. The zoo itself has large brick walls and huge arched double door that leads inside, almost kind of like Jurassic Park. And you can see that there is a face carved on top of the arch. And for anybody who's familiar with the statue of Ozymandias, that is the face. So as you get here, what is everybody going to try to take in with them? All I've got is the Glock. So what's uh, what are what are carry laws like at this point in the future? <laughs> Am I legal? I would think so. Well, then I'm good. I'm just I'm bringing the gun in. Okay. 
I don't think I have a justification for a pump shotgun, so I'll probably leave that, but I think I still have my chain like wrapped around like a belt. Okay. As far as you all have seen, I don't appear to carry a weapon at all, so I'm good. That's ominous. Yeah, okay. Needless (laughs) distinction, but whatever. Uh, Yeah, I suppose I shouldn't go carrying a crossbow around in the zoo, so (laughs) I will (laughs) similarly use my whip and kind of fashion it into a belt, uh, and then I'll... uh, Try and keep my my hand axes covered if possible. Okay. Yeah, I'll go up to the the ticket counter and get us all admission. Okay. Yeah, no problem. They give you four tickets and uh, direct you towards the front gate. And you can see that there are two guards outside who are taking tickets, uh, but they are armed. Damn, harsh zoo. All right. And the four of you walk over to the entrance. They take your tickets and let you in. Awesome. As you step in. There is a small souvenir shop on the left side and then an information desk on the right. And you can see directly ahead of you are two paths that very clearly break off in different directions. I will run over to the information booth and ask for a map. Okay. Yeah, they give you a map and uh, this map on it has information uh, about the current attractions because as Borbach had told you, this is something that was new. From the map, you can see that the zoo is broken up into four areas and they are very large, um, but it doesn't seem like they ever have more than four creatures at a time. One of them is a staple. Uh, It has a permanent home on the far northeast side of the zoo. It is where they keep the phoenix. And then on the southeast side, it currently says that that area is actually empty. And then on the northwest side, there is a section for a basilisk uh, that it says is on loan from the leader of Clan Ozymandias. And then the southwest side List that that is where currently the Nightmare and the Pegasus are both being held. Uh, well, do we want to see the other ones first or? Yes. You know? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, no, like I want I want to go see, I want to go see all of them. I want to go see, there's something, there's like an empty corner here. I don't know, like if we can just get around there or something, just kind of see like what's there normally. I'm just really curious as to like what's there that's not there. Yeah, let's just do a big counterclockwise loop here. All right, okay. start heading that way. Yeah, so as you all head around, you get to that first area, and there isn't anything there. It's just a big, open, empty, almost blank space. Like, the ground is white, and the high walls are completely blank, but there is a fence that goes around it very high, uh, but there are spots where you can walk up to look down, but inside of it, there isn't anything. This area right now is just entirely empty. Is there, like... Any leftover signage from like what was here last or anything? Uh, there's not, but there are workers around. Oh, I I want to ask one of them. Hey, is this like is this being remodeled for a new exhibit or something? Uh, it, it will be once they get uh, the new ones lined up. But currently, the space that would be occupied uh, for this one, uh, the Pegasus and the Nightmare, they travel together. I know that voice. Hello. Hey, wait a minute, Alice. Is that is that you? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rory, I worked, R- I worked R- at the prison. Rory! Yeah. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. That was a long time ago. Oh, yeah, it sure was. Not even a thing for immortal folk, though, right? Yeah. Like a tr- like a, the blink of an eye, right, yeah, Alice? Very true. Yeah, I, I didn't at the time realize that you also were immortal. Uh, I, I wasn't at the time, but uh, then as the world started to, to change... Uh, I, I discovered that I was, and so I was still this way a couple of years later, and uh, 
Here we are. Well, welcome. Uh, g- glad to have you as one of us. Yeah, time's been kind to you. You're, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so you went from being a prison guard to a zoo guard. Well. Uh, employee? Uh, keeper, zookeeper. Zoo That's guard? A zoo guard. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I also wasn't a prison guard. I just gave the. Oh, you were a tour guide. Yeah. That's right. Yep, that's right. The, you know, when you live for as long as I have, it yeah. all just kind of blends together sometimes. That's, that's true. I did, didn't forget you, though. I <laughs> recognize you anywhere. Great. It's the hair. Yeah, it's definitely the hair. Would you all like it? I, I could uh, I could give you just... Uh, let me give you a tour of the place. Sure. Okay. And I'll fall back. <laughs> Every alarm bell in Kim's head is going off right now. <laughs> And I'm walking up to Megan. Is everything okay here? Did you um? Do you two know each other? Uh, kind of. We we ran into each other a long time ago. And oh, uh, uh yeah. Uh, so Rory was a a tour guide uh, at a at a prison that I went to go uh, check out because there was some supernatural uh, things happening there, and that's um yeah y- yeah I was I, I used was, to think that was malarkey. Look at me now. That's why I I I had to be super sneaky when I was talking to oh, you. Oh yeah, couldn't just straight out tell you what I was doing. I mean, it's obvious now because I yeah I'm I'm, I'm immortal, and I I look at Kim and I'm just like because because I'm immortal. Yeah, Alice and I go way back. Mm-hmm. Oh really? How far? Oh. Like a hundred and some years, probably wow. since I worked at that prison. Yeah, and so Rory is now a zoo guide, a zoo guide, and yeah. is going to give us a tour. Isn't that so kind of him? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, do do your thing. The zoo, my thing. You yeah. almost said that; it would have been a good pun. What? So, I don't get it. Uh, instead of do your thing, is zoo your thing? Oh. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, as you can see here, this area is currently not being used, as I said a moment ago, because we house four animals at a time, and uh, the only one that, that stays is the phoenix. It stays here, and it is a constant inhabitant here, but the nightmare is new, uh, as is the pegasus, and they stay together. And so we don't want to take the danger of having an extra creature here, so we just left this one uh, empty. We had originally talked about trying to somehow connect these two areas but we can't really move the phoenix and the basilisk uh, it was already booked and it would be very difficult to link the front two sections without uh, making folks walk a long way around okay that's that's pretty cool so four total yeah yeah okay yeah at, at any one given time uh we are hosting four of the miraculous mythological creatures of the world that have been either found here uh, once again or brought over from other dimensions Nice. Very cool. Uh, so which way would you like to go first? Uh, would you like to see the, the phoenix first or the basilisk or the, the horses? Oh, well, I shouldn't call them horses. That's reductive. Yeah. We're, we were planning to make a big, just a big loop here. So let's hit that phoenix and then continue uh, on the way around. All right. Uh, well, the phoenix has been here since the zoo uh, was created uh, about 15 years ago now. It is currently the only known phoenix uh, to exist on our realm of existence. Uh, and it has a very specific diet as well as uh, a number of predators, so it, it actually is much safer here. It really enjoys its time with its trainer, um, and it enjoys its uh, its inhabitation, cohabit, no, uh, its habitat. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So educational. And he gestures towards 
a very large stone building that is designed with flames all over it. And there is a nest at the top with a large crystal egg. But down below it is just a set, again, of double doors that lead inside. Yeah, I'll go in. Yeah. It is very warm inside of this atrium. And though it looks like it's stone on the outside, as soon as you get inside, you can very clearly see the sky all around you. But it is not the sky that you recognize. It's tones of orange and yellow, and it matches the heat that you feel inside of this room. The ground below you is almost like charcoal. And there are maybe a dozen other people in here sitting in seats on risers that come up behind you after you walk in. And out in the middle, you can see this bird made of fire flying around and it settles on the ground and starts to like peck at the ground like it's hunting for something. Wow. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. Um, Like how big is it? It's about three feet. OK. Like wingspan? Uh, no, like as it's walking around on the ground, it's, it's about like three, three feet, feet tall. Oh, dang. All yeah. right. You said it had a lot of predators? Yes. Look at the whole thing is like made of fire. What hunts something made of fire? The issue is that if we were to let it out here uh, and it gets into an environment that's particularly humid or if it starts to rain, uh, that actually saps a lot of its strength. Oh, no. Interesting. What about its diet? You said it had a unique diet. What does it eat? I don't do with the, the nutrition, but it feeds off of a, quite a number of different mineral deposits. Is that what it's doing now? Yes. Well, we refresh them uh, from, it's a very interesting system. There's an area underneath here and we feed those into the soil and they then process up through the dirt and then it picks them out of the soil and eats them. Oh, interesting. Is that bubble just underneath the Phoenix enclosure or is that something that like runs underneath the whole zoo? Is that how you interact with all the exhibits? I imagine there probably is one underneath each of the exhibits. Uh, this is the only one I know about for certain, but yeah, I mean, if we had to make sure that something was getting its, uh, its diet from the ground... Uh, I would imagine that they probably set it up so that all of them could work that way. Are they all like separate or like, they're not all connected like, like Disneyland? Connected in like they're not just one big room, but like you could get to one from the other through like tunnels and stuff. Yeah, that's that's super cool. Right. Is that like a separate place that you guys have to go down into? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you have to have like the proper clearance, the nutritionalists and things like that. Do you have that clearance? Do you get to feed the animals? No, no. Oh, that's I a know. shame. Is that something you want? I'm not sure because they spend so much time, you know, doing research and then collecting the things that the animals need and then underground or above ground. For something like the basilisk, that's a much more enjoyable feeding process because it's a little bit of a show. So that would be enjoyable. But I think that on a whole, they probably get to spend less face time uh, with the patrons and the animals in a, in a not controlled environment. Nice. Well, OK, let's go see that show. Let's go check out the basilisk then. All right. Can I like look around this this atrium, this enclosure and kind of check it out, see if there's anything I can pick up on that maybe wouldn't be noticeable to like regular patrons coming through? Yeah, why don't you study a place of power and you're going to roll with power because uh, this is a area that belongs to the immortals. Okay. Eight. So as you look around this atrium, the thing that you notice that is not exactly what it seems is that at the very top of the risers behind you, you can see that there is glass underneath some of the seats, and you can see movement inside of it, like there are guards inside of this atrium watching the phoenix at all times. But it's not something that you would ever see from the outside. It seems like this is just the two guards at the front door that you have encountered so far, and that's it. Uh, and then along with that, you can also 
If you have not done so, so far, Mark Power. Yeah, let's uh, let's go check out the Basilisk. And I'll uh, grab the guys and Kim and widen my eyes a little bit and then look over in that direction where I can kind of see through the glass and these risers. All right, I'll track that and turn for the Basilisk. Rory leads you out and over to the area where the Basilisk is. It's a much more temperate climate here. This area is outside. It almost seems like the same kind of location where you would keep giant tortoises. And you can see the basilisk right away when you arrive. And this basilisk is large. It's about nine feet long. It has eight legs and this giant head. And there is a line of people next to its closed-in area taking turns going inside. You can see that the person at the front of the line is admitted. They run down closer to the basilisk. And it turns and it looks at them and it hisses and they turn to stone. And then there's a beat and some liquid pours onto them from a little device above their head and they change back and they giggle and they run back out of the enclosure. What the hell? Okay, so all I know of Basilisk is from Harry Potter. Is Basilisk not a big snake? Usually not. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, there is a Basilisk lizard and those are the ones that like run on water. Oh, nice. So I didn't know if it was going to be like Harry Potter or if it was going to be more like that. They've kind of got like the frills, like how they made a Dilophosaurus look in Jurassic Park, but the Dilophosaurus didn't actually have the frills. But the Basilisk lizards do kind of have that. But this thing doesn't have the frills, so maybe it doesn't walk on water either. It doesn't walk on water. It just definitely turns you to stone if you look at it. Yeah. Wow. So this is like a party trick that they're using it for, kind of. Yes, uh, if you harness some of the, the basilisk also has a very strong venom in its teeth, uh, and you can use the venom to reverse the petrification, uh, and so we have harvested uh, basilisk venom, uh, and that is the mixture that drops on them and turns them back. It's a, a much more expensive ticket to get that experience. I bet. I mean, that makes sense. It turns its prey to stone, then its teeth work it back into normalcy to eat the meat. Yeah. I want to try. Oh, okay. And he reaches in his pocket and digs around, and he pulls out a pass that has a green band around the outside. Shh, on the down low. And he hands it to you. Thanks. That's very kind of you. So do I just, how do I do this? Just go stand in the line. Okay. And I'll go up and stand in the line, and I want to take out my now useless salt shaker and unscrew it and dump out the salt and kind of hold it inside my jacket. All right. Is there anything that the three of you are doing while Megan is waiting in line? I guess keeping an eye out to see if there are any more of those kind of hidden guard stations, like viewing more common areas of the zoo, or if it's just going to be exhibits or what. Yeah. Uh, why don't you study a place of power? Okay. With power. 11. So I think the thing that you notice that most people would miss about what is going on here is that there is a very, very faint, almost tan line around the basilisk's neck as if it normally wears a collar. And you do know that this is on loan from the leader of Clan Ozymandias. And, you know, when it turns and it looks, it also makes a little bit of a hiss sound. And as the next person goes, because you're kind of focused on this event, instead of hearing the people kind of cheering and the people laughing, you hear someone somewhere speaking a word, and the next couple times, it's the same command word every time. It seems that there is a word that is causing the basilisk to look and petrify the person, so it seems very well trained. And after about the third or fourth time, you can make out the word, and the word that's being said is effish, E-F-E-S-H. All right, for my 
follow-up question about the circle. I know it's on loan from the faction leader. We don't know who that is. Is there a way for me to glean that information from here? From, it's his pet, this is the word that this person has chosen to command it. Does that give any insight into like, okay, who would have chosen this word? Who would wield a basilisk, etc., etc.? Could I suss out who the faction leader is from here? I think what you can piece together from this, that word that is being used to trigger the basilisk's attack is an Egyptian slang word. And it is slang for something that is bad of appearance. And its root word is ebshe, the word for beetle. So by this time, I think, Megan, you have made it to the front of the line and the person working the gate opens it and tells you just to go down, stand on the X, look at the basilisk. It'll turn and look at you. And then a moment later, turn around and come back up to the exit. Got it. Thanks. And I will start heading that way and just kind of hold my salt shaker like just inside my coat, but then like turn it outwards as I stand there. So when this stuff falls on me, I'm hoping that it'll collect some of it. All right. I think this is going to be a keep your cool. Okay. So tell me the situation you want to avoid here. My goal is to kind of position my hand to make a little bit of a funnel. So as the stuff runs down, like even if I'm turned to stone, it'll still hit kind of the area. Uh, And I want to avoid guards seeing me do this because I'm assuming that there are also guards here watching the basilisk. And I'm hoping that I can blend in enough as a person of the crowd who is not trying to like approach this thing that they won't notice me doing this. Okay. Roll with spirit. Five. Oh. Oh, no. Alice, how could you? So as you walk down, you position the empty salt shaker and stand on the X and the basilisk turns towards you. And for the briefest of moments, you feel your whole body tingle, kind of like when your leg falls asleep. Like it's not pleasant. It's not awful, but it's a very weird sensation that just flows up the entirety of your body. And then you feel that sensation flow back out of you from the head down. Your salt shaker is full. But as you turn, you can see that along the wall below where everyone is standing and watching is more of that glass. And you can see people inside of it gesturing in your direction. Uh, But at that time, the person working the gate opens the door and gestures for you to go back out. Oh, shit. Okay, Uh, I I screw the lid on the salt shaker and I just kind of like gesture to the people behind me and I jump in the air and I'm just like, that was so much fun. And I will like nod at the person that's gesturing me out and rush back outside up to Jake and Taz and Kim. As I get closer, I'll again, oh my gosh, that was, that was so wild. Yeah. What did it feel like? I haven't had the courage to do it yet. And I want to, I want to look at Taz and I want to make a movement with my arm and then throw the salt shaker to him. Uh, So Tess, I think this is going to be on you. Megan turns and she throws something at you. And I, as the keeper, know that it's a bottle of poison. Uh, So keep your cool. Yeah. And what would you like to avoid happening here? I would like to avoid dropping it. Okay. Uh, I I have no other context for this move, so that's it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So roll with spirit. Okay. Six. Could I try to help him out? How so? I think... I had a brief vision of the future and I just kind of subtly move tasks. I push him like a step or two to the left so that he's in a better position to catch the salt shaker. Yeah, all right. Roll with wild. I'd like to teleport away. (laughs) (laughs) How far? Until I can't see any of this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's been too hold. (laughs) Three. So Tass, as Megan comes out of the basilisk enclosure, 
she very quickly pitches something to you underhand through the crowd and you reach out to grab this object, but you feel yourself get jostled to the side as Kim nudges you. The thing in the air slips your grasp as liquid spills out of it onto Kim's sleeve and it starts to eat away at the fabric. And then there is the sound of something hitting the pavement and shattering. You look down and between your feet are the broken pieces of Megan's salt shaker. The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Sure I can't get you a drink? Uh, I, um... They'd had a moment, hadn't they? That afternoon when Garrett had smiled just like this, warm-eyed and amused in a way that made Tony want another cigarette, but also want to step forward and... Hey, Kate, what are you writing? Ah! New text post on Thursday, May 21st. Title. Why you should be watching Selkirk. So, Selkirk fandom. Who wants to read my 5,000 word essay, Garrett, last name, Secret Werewolf? I'm Kate, by the way. They kiss? I think I lucked out when I found Selkirk. Because if I'd loved something else, I would have made friends, and I would have been able to read a ton of great stories. But this way, I met you. Me and Day You, a new story about love and fandom from the Procyon Podcast Network.